0: The only purpose of the Talking Space podcast is to educate and to inform. The
1: views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or
0: affiliate. All of you on the good on earth. On one small step for man, one giant leap.
1: And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Talking Space Podcast. This is Talking Space Podcast episode 306 for the week of February 14th, 2011. Actually, Valentine's Day week. So, with that, I'd like to introduce our lovely panelists here. Hi, Gene. How are you? Okay. Sorry, yourself? I'm all right, thanks. Welcome as well, Mark Ratterman.
0: Good thing I don't have a camera or you'd know just how
1: unlovely I am. (laughs) That's not true. Appreciate that. Welcome as well, Gina Hurley. Thank you, Sawyer. All right, so let's kick things off with, surprise, surprise, STS-133. And this time, we actually have something very unusual to report. And that was that the Flight Readiness Review met today, and they actually gave Discovery a go for launch on the 24th, meaning... They didn't delay it, but uh, there were a couple of hiccups that they were taking a look at that happened during processing, right, Gene?
2: Yeah, it looks like the um, ground umbilical umbilical connector plate sort of reared its ugly head again. There was a a seal issue uh, on there that that, uh, they found out. Apparently, they did a test, and they, they, they detected a small leak, so they went ahead and replaced the seal on there, And during the time of the replacement, or when they were in the process of replacing it, somebody dropped a tool somewhere, and uh, uh, a full inspection of the external tank had to happen. So, uh, uh, But uh, they gave the external tank a clean bill of health, and uh, I don't know if they recovered the tool that dropped or not, but uh, um, I'm guessing they did. And uh, uh, so it looks like all elements of uh, STS-133 are good to go.
1: Do we know what kind of tool that was?
2: I don't really know. I'm trying to find that out for you. Um, it looks like it had something to do with uh, um, you know, the, the repair of the, uh, of, of, the, uh, of the GUP there. But um, again, I'm, I'd have to go ahead and do the research on it to, to find out for sure.
1: So as launch is a little over a week away, do we predict go or no go for Thursday it, the 24th? It better go because I'm going. that's right hopefully you'll be down there and giving us some great commentary on what's going on as well right
3: you bet yep I'm going to try to talk to as many people as I can and we'll uh, patch it into a show
1: sounds good definitely looking forward to that so shall we uh, move on along with this show sounds like an idea there Sawyer where do you think we should move to you think maybe we should head to the outer solar system a little bit? Sure, why
2: not? There's a neat little event that's occurring uh, probably within about about 90 minutes as we record this.
1: Which means that by the time that you'll be listening to this, it will have occurred and uh, we'll keep you up to date on the results. And that is that there was a flyby of Comet Temple 1 that occurred tonight got within really, really close distance, and from there it took a couple of pictures. So um, this spacecraft that they used for Comet Temp 1 on this mission has uh, seen a couple of different missions now, right?
2: That's correct there, so It looks like uh, uh, this is the uh, essentially the Stardust uh, uh, mothership. This is the one that uh, essentially sent back uh, a small probe and collected some uh, cometary debris. And uh, sent that commentary debris back t- uh, back to us for uh, for research. This is sort of like the ultimate recycling. Um, uh, back in 2005, we kind of sort of looked at uh, Comet Temple 1, and this was also the uh, the Deep Impact mission, where a, uh, a piece of a you know, apparently we, we fired an impactor right into the uh, the comet nucleus, and uh, well, um, we didn't get a good shot. Uh, as far as what the, uh, the impact crater kind of sort of looked like. We're hoping to see that tonight um, as, uh, as Stardust does its flyby. So this is going to be kind of neat to see. The flyby should occur at about 8.40 p.m. Pacific time. That's about 11.40 p.m. Eastern. So I hope uh, everybody uh, goes ahead and, and takes advantage and takes a look at, uh, at uh, the data coming down uh, as it's coming through on NASA television. Should be a neat, uh, a neat uh, evening. Neat Valentine's Day evening.
1: Alrighty then, so definitely take a look at that information, which you know they always store. And speaking of storing, NASA is coming up with quite an interesting plan, according to MSNBC. They said that they intend to keep the Space Shuttle Endeavor, one that's near and dear to my heart, good old OV-105, they plan to keep her in flight-ready condition until 2017. Any idea why they might do this or how they'll do it?
2: Well, sorry. According to the uh, um, according to the article that appeared on, I guess it was uh, February 8th um, on uh, on MSNBC, uh, they're considering a plan to keep Endeavour um, in on flight status. And the idea, uh, the whole plan is called the Commercial Space Transportation Service, or uh, CSTS. Uh, It's a plan that was floated by uh, United Space Alliance uh, that would keep that would keep Endeavor in flight status, and also, oddly enough, Atlantis on flight status, and fly both of the vehicles. Um, I believe uh, you'd have basically two flights a year. Um, from 2013 through 2017. Now, I'm not exactly too sure how they're going to go ahead and pull this off because the uh, uh, the external tank uh, assembly line over at Michoud has been shut down. That's one. And two, um, it was an interesting blog post, oh, a few years back, and I believe we linked to it at some point on one of the shows. We can, we can link to it again. That uh, Wayne Hale wrote... Um, about uh, you know shutting the shuttle down and he talked about you know other logistical spare parts and things like that that have been shut down so I'm not exactly too sure how how um, United Space Alliance is going to pull this off if they decide to do it so again they're just examining the possibility right now but uh, it should be interesting to see how this plays out it's a fascinating you know a fascinating development if they can get it to work and I, I do have my doubts
3: And why is it only until, what did you say, 2017, if this is a successful venture, why not keep going? After all, the space shuttle was designed to fly 100 times each, right? So why stop it there? They think at that point they'd be in the way of what was to come from NASA? or?
2: Yeah, I think what they're trying to say, because I think the new heavy lift booster is supposed to come online um, by December 31st, 2016, according to law. So I guess what they want to do is, is just use the two orbiters as a stopgap measure until the, the new heavy lift booster is, uh, is available. And that's why I'm guessing through 2017. But the other thing is, too, where is the money going to come from for all this, too? I and mean, uh, United Space Alliance is going to have to get seed money from someone.
3: Yeah, but i got to figure that it's going to be a heck of a lot easier for private industry to reopen those supply lines. I mean, the, there's just inherent bureaucracy with NASA or any other federal agency that to recertify all of those suppliers is a massive undertaking in and of itself. Right. They, they could do it maybe more efficiently, quicker, easier, more streamlined, I'm hoping, I'm guessing, as a person who works in the private sector
1: –
2: Yeah, there's there's the possibility. Um, I mean, I look at what uh, look at what SpaceX been, has been able to accomplish in about two two years. So, you know, it uh, you may have something there. So we'll we'll see. But um, again, it might just take a very long time to start up these assembly lines.
0: It seems like I had heard also that uh, they were talking about using. Uh, astronauts to fly the shuttle uh, outside of NASA. In other words, it would be, you know, astronauts that were part of the United Space Alliance uh, infrastructure.
2: Wow, really? I didn't hear that part.
0: Yeah, I can't, uh, can't find anything to quote right now, but it seemed like that was a tidbit that I caught when the news first came out a couple days ago.
2: Uh, just just out of curiosity, here's here's a little quote again from that article um, uh, from M- MSNBC. Uh, if uh, USA does receive funding, um, the venture would conduct a study and so on. And um, apparently, their estimated price tag for the whole thing would be about 1.5 billion dollars. Um, so that that's kind of interesting. Um, and that's to run the program. Uh, apparently, this is, and an according to the article, this is a substantial drop from previous funding levels, which has seen the shuttle program cost ri- rise to as high as about four four billion dollars. So, you know, Gina, you may have something there with with reference to uh, private industry might you know might be able to go ahead and run this this program a little better.
3: Yeah, because they're going to be bottom line oriented. You know, they're yeah. going to have to. Use their in, uh, upfront capital and, you know, at, at least break even. I would assume this. they're interested in a profit margin, thin as it may be, but there's got to be some incentive to making this work.
2: Right, and, and there's always going to be shuttle-specific you know, type flights. They may not be to the International Space Station, so who knows? Detect maybe, you know, Space Lab being reincarnated in some shape or form.
3: Right. And, Mark, with the astronauts that would be flying these shuttle missions, would they be, I suppose, retired NASA-trained astronauts?
0: Yeah, you would think um, somebody that's left NASA that would uh, be interested in a uh, a job in the business.
1: hmm I just think that'd be too strange to see, you know, the shuttle being commercialized like that. It, I just couldn't see that happening.
2: Well, there was a plan, Sawyer, back in you know the the post challenge, being the pre-Challenger days, uh, to go ahead and do just that—to commercialize all four of the, the the well, all four of the uh, orbiters at that time—to commercialize them and turn the whole thing over to private industry. There was a move to do that, um, but uh, you know, of course, uh, uh, STS-51L happened, and that kind of kind of put the uh, the hold on that whole project.
1: But then again, there was also a move to make, which space station was it, to make that one also privately owned? Which one was it? I think it was not... That was Mir, I think. Mir, yes. Thank you.
2: Yeah, you were thinking about the, uh, you know, using Mir as almost a hotel, uh, just about. Right, Mir
1: Corps, that was it.
2: Right, exactly. and. I don't know. That, That to me, was a long shot. Mirror was in rough shape.
1: And yet, to me, this seems like a long shot using, you know, the United States Space Shuttle as, you know, like a shuttle you take a ride on at Disney.
2: Well, I, 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 I don't think that that's where we're going with this. I think we're going, uh, you know, for a, a paying, you know, if you've got a payload that is heavy or you want to lift a new module, say, to the International Space Station... Um say an, another country comes on board and they want to attach something to the ISS, um, right now, you know the there's only I think two possibilities. one is a one of the Russian heavy lift boosters and the other one is is the shuttle and uh, so you know you've got <laughs> like it or not, it's still it's still the the best heavy lift booster we've got right now.
1: But another thought is that it was originally built for military purposes. Do you think that maybe they would redesign, you know, certain parts of the shuttle for commercial purposes? Um. Well, yeah. Like the payload know. base size or anything like that.
2: Yeah, that's the ugly little secret with with the shuttle um, back because it was uh, we were going to go ahead and jettison all of our heavy lift capability, and we did jettison all of our heavy lift capability back in uh, in the 1970s or the late 1970s um, to lift uh, you know in favor of the shuttle and the military was supposed to come on board the shuttle as well and I mean we had a again we had the, the Vandenberg Air Force Base had its own shuttle launch facility and I believe endeavor was going to be the one that was going to be based out there not endeavor um, I'm sorry excuse me discovery. Um, was going to be the orbiter based out of there. In fact, uh, um, there was a crew named already uh, prior, you know, t- for uh, the first uh, Vandenberg uh, uh, launch. And um, of course, you know, the Challenger accident put, put the kibosh on that whole thing. So, you know, as far as flying commercial, again, it, it would depend on the size of the payload, you know, what, what you're flying and, and so on. And uh, what uh, you know, like for instance, say you want to go ahead and space. You know, again, Space Lab might want to come back and say, okay, hey, maybe we'll 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 fly like one or two flights like that, and and uh, you know, have a Space Lab sitting inside the shuttle sitting inside the shuttle bay again. So it could theoretically even become a competitor to the ISS.
0: And it's important to. Keep in mind that this is described by the company proposing it as a long shot.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Mark. It is a big long shot because a lot there's a lot of questions again and uh, about the pipeline, I mean, about the supply pipeline. Also, you know about the spare parts with the orbiter. What do you do? Gut Discovery? You know, so.
3: Well, don't also forget the arrangements that would need to be made. Now you're leasing a launch pad from NASA. You're leasing services in the VAB. Potentially the um, Orbiter Processing Facility bays, You'd, you know, you've got to lease those. All of these arrangements, contracts, labor force access, all of these um, scenarios has to have to be settled before you could even attempt it.
2: Yeah, agreed. And so there's a lot to be ironed out. But if they can make it work, you know, good luck to them. I hope they can make it work. It'd be nice to see um, at least two of these birds continue to fly and uh, uh, basically fulfill the, uh, the 100 mission um, design life that they were, they were intended for. So it would be kind of neat to see this. Again, it's a long shot, but you know, we'll see.
1: Alrighty then, while we're talking about commercial privatization and other things about that, let's move on to something related to Constellation. And, uh, Gene, I'll let you take this one because this one's really interesting. Yeah, it
2: looks like we're, we're taking some liberty with Constellation here. Um, uh, ATK announced, I guess it was last week, um, that, uh, a, a joint project, uh, between, uh, ATK and, uh, the Europeans is, uh, is going on and, uh, the uh, they have decided that they're going to go ahead and, and build a new rocket essentially reincarnating the Ares one. Uh, it would consist of a uh, Ares one uh, state first stage and a European built uh, built second stage. Uh, they are calling the rocket the Liberty. It will be about uh, if I'm reading this correctly it will stand about. Uh, 300 foot mm, feet tall and it will utilize the uh, the existing uh, gantry that was built for Ares 1 that I believe is uh, I, I don't know I haven't been by uh, 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 the Kennedy Space Center lately but um, I think that thing is still sitting you know in proximity of the vehicle assembly building that large gantry that uh, was supposed to support Ares 1 um, it looks like this is going to be, a, uh, they're apparently ATK in Europe are, are throwing their hats in as far as the commercial uh, aspects of this thing. It will be designed essentially to carry any of the uh, the capsules that are being designed right now. That means the uh, the uh, Boeing uh, entry, which I think is the uh, uh, CTS 3000. The uh, it might actually even be set up to launch uh, Orion. It might be set or whatever. Lockheed Martin's going to call it, as I think we reported here uh, last week or uh, some time ago, that uh, Lockheed is looking into changing the name of the Orion spacecraft to something else um, to try to get the Constellation Monkey off its back. Uh, so there, this is, this is going to be a viable entry to the, uh, to the commercial space race. Apparently, uh, what I'm looking at here, according to the article that I'm looking at through Spaceflight Now, it's designed to carry the, the booster is designed to carry uh, 44,500 pounds to the International Space Station. So again, this is uh, you know this is trying to get some uh, some heavy lift capacity back, and they want to get this thing going. I believe they think they could test flight and I'm trying to find out when exactly the, the possibility of test flying this um, I think they're looking at a possibility within the next uh, two years to go ahead and, and do a test flight. So we'll just have to see how this goes but' it's, it's set up to uh, to uh, launch any of the uh, it will be set up to launch any of the, uh, the capsules that are currently being looked at to replace the shuttle.
0: That's the,
2: again, they're looking at themselves as a as another option for uh, for NASA or for anybody else, for that matter.
0: Quite an interesting combination, a real surprise, and it uh, it tells uh, a little bit of the story about how uh, versatile things can be if you're willing to mix and match and use some of what you got, maybe some of what's almost there, and come up with something and fairly fairly short time at least it seems like it uh, at this point.
2: Yeah, it looks like too but there mark it'll, it'll use as you said there it'll use the existing uh, um, some of the existing shuttle infrastructure for this particular project. so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this the, this works and uh, it'll be an, a, a really really cool uh, new entry into this uh, into this commercial space space venture that we, we're finding ourselves in these days.
1: I'm amazed that they're finding use for this, and uh, I'm glad they're finding use for it.
2: Yeah, I am too. I mean, you know, they, they, the whole infrastructure seemed to have been gutted after, you know, after what happened around the same time last year when, when, in, you know, Constellation basically folded, and we really didn't know, um, you know, what the future was holding. But it looks like the Orion spacecraft, or again, what the, the spacecraft formerly known as Orion or whatever they're going to be calling it, um, is still out there and still uh, still an option and now it looks like Ares one is going to join it. So uh, you know it, it's kind of interesting to see that uh, bits and pieces of constellation are still still out there and still being looked at. I mean even the new heavy lift booster they're looking at is you know a derivative of uh, the existing or the existing research that was done um, in conjunction with Ares 5. so who knows? But uh, this is going to be neat to see. I'd like like to really, really see if this thing
1: actually works and
2: uh, uh, gets off the ground.
1: We'd all like to hope it would too.
2: <laughs> I have a feeling it would. I mean, if, if I recall the, I mean, the if if it's based on on the Ares One, the Ares One X did you know fairly well. I mean, they did have that little second stage separation problem, but I have, I have a feeling that was due to the dummy booster that they had. Um, I, I fully
0: anticipate this thing to be successful.
3: Yeah, I think it'll be successful.
0: Kind of getting my thoughts in order, too. It really strikes me as being so complex and so different that um, it's something only a, a commercial space operation could pull off. And that's because why the- it's a commercial space undertaking yeah they can they can take some risks and and possibly uh you know write write new rules that uh that wouldn't probably happen following historical precedent with NASA
3: yeah i think it's a whole new world and i think when you put a dollar sign in front of people even if their grand design isn't to make a huge profit but perhaps to be a pioneer that dollar sign is also a huge incentivizer to make sure you're not losing money. So, you know, I think you're going to see things done quite differently. Change is definitely upon NASA and space in the next decade.
0: I think a lot of the first steps that we'll see in the next few years are, are ones that are going to be treated as an investment by the companies participating in it. That they may not see it profitable, but they would look at it as uh, getting their foot in the door and showing what they can do, like SpaceX did with their launches to date, and what they can do, and um, you know, build a little trust as as being a trustworthy operation to to go ahead with. And,
2: let, and let's not forget too who the who the client is. <laughs> That's the, uh, the American taxpayer, ultimately.
1: And I think while we're talking about the taxpayer's money and budgets and commercial space versus governmental space, I think we can move on to our next story. And that would be the 2012 fiscal year budget for NASA has officially been released. The budget is an $18.7 billion request for the year that supports, as NASA calls it, quote, a Reinvigorated Path of Innovation, Technological Development, and Scientific Discovery. you think that money's enough for them?
2: Well, I'm looking at an article here, Sawyer, from SpaceNews.com, uh, dated today, uh, uh, 14 February. Um, it looks like to me, according to their assessment, that the budget is essentially flat. We're basically staying at two hundred uh, at two thousand ten spending levels on this. So um, I guess that that six billion dollar you know incremental increase is essentially by the boards. Um, the request essentially would fund or infuse the uh, heavy lift program with about one point eight billion dollars in research, and it includes another billion dollars for the. Uh, uh, the Orion crew capsule, um, or whatever they're uh, they're going to call it now, um, it apparently gives a little bit more. It gives uh, a little bit more money to the Earth science programs, uh, to the tune of uh, one point seven eight billion dollars. Um, I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, that is actually uh, 160 million less than what was called for in the authorization act but still it's i apparently it's a oh, i'm sorry it is a 360 million dollar increase uh for the earth science budget and also it looks like um the uh overall science budget is going to get a uh, 500 million dollar increase as well but um you know whether whether or not 1.8 billion dollars is going to be enough money to go ahead and Uh, build you know start the the research on this heavy lift booster who knows Uh, there's already a lot of people complaining about it Um, so I I don't know I I think this is indicative of the overall situation that we're facing Um, and uh, uh, we'll just as far as the the overall budget is concerned I think you're going to see either a lot of flat line or a lot of cuts so you know we didn't get, uh, NASA didn't get uh, dinged, but it, it it just basically stayed flat.
1: So is it better to stay flat or to decrease? In this case, it's it, obviously better to stay flat, but, you know, do you think they'll be able to accomplish everything they want to with this budget? No, but no. they'll <laughs> make it work. I have this feeling, and if nothing else, President Obama can cancel more programs, and then we won't have to worry about it.
2: Well, the other thing too is I, I haven't really gone through the, the budget in, in, in great detail, and I'm, I'm probably going to do that um, from, and, and deliver something next show. But um, the I, I'm, I'm more interested to see what's what's going to happen with you know in some innovative robotics programs like uh, like you know Project M. If if you recall what that's all about, it's basically taking a a Robonaut two hybrid with a torso and, and legs and all that and trying to send that off to the moon as a uh, as a precursor to sending it possibly to mars or further out so um you know i, I don't know where that's going to go uh because I, personally i thought that was a that was a neat program and i don't know if that's been impacted by this budget or not i'll have to go ahead and really really do some digging on that my bet is it probably has if if uh if the budget's flat um, and apparently, um, there are some members of the House uh, that would also like to propose even more deeper cuts um, in the NASA budget to the tune of about $300 million. So, you know, again, this is the classic case of, you know, NASA given being given – being tasked to do a lot and not given a lot of resources to do it. So, you know, e- e- given – the fact that uh, you know we're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place again, NASA still apparently is able to dazzle some folks, so we'll just have to see what happens, but uh, again, I, I think NASA's being tasked to do too much and not being given a lot of resources to do it.
1: By the way, just taking a look at what you were talking about with the robotics. Yes, sir. They have it as a priority, but as of right now, going over it briefly, I didn't see anything about the um, the amount they are putting towards it. One thing that I did find that's interesting is uh, the amount that they want to set aside for education, or for yeah for education, and that's 138.4 million. You've got a budget of over three is it 18 billion? I said before. Right. And you're only putting $138 million to education. And I also wonder how much of it they're putting it towards spinoffs and actual you know, media and things that they've started to get themselves involved with, like Twitter or Facebook.
2: Well, um, I, I, I remember talking um, with one of the folks that run the, the, the tweet-up events. I'm trying to remember the figure they gave me as far as how much one of those events cost to put together – um, but I'm sure that the, uh, uh, the benefit that they receive from those events far outweighs the, uh, you, know, the, the you know, the paltry budget that they, they, they give. I'm sure they get a lot of positive press and a lot of uh, feedback, not to mention people going back to their homes and saying, you know, hey, look at all this. This is what we saw. So, um, and, and again, giving uh, NASA a good face. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you kind of wonder, you know, it, given the fact that education is a priority, you kind of wonder, um, uh, where STEM is going to go and how NASA is going to be involved with, uh,
0: with STEM going forward. Something to remember. We're talking about the 2012 budget. NASA still doesn't have an operating budget for 2011 that they're over four months into.
2: That's that's right, um, Mark. We've got a, a bit of a, a bit of a zombie space program, uh, unfortunately, which was a scenario that we didn't want to have. Um, and uh, you know, it, we're we're still paying for a program, basically Constellation, that's shut down. But yet we're still allocating. You know, we're still humming away on it because it's been it's been budgeted for. So it, it's kind of ridiculous to go ahead and and you know, pay, you know, the, the kind of money that we're paying for a program that's essentially dead. So I'm just hoping that maybe some of what is, uh, um, you know, being looked at is being looked at it, like, say, maybe from an Ares Five standpoint, so that maybe some of the research can be diverted over to the, uh, the heavy
0: lift booster. So we'll see. So what happens? Uh, Discovery launches February 24th. And uh, by my count, about eight days later, which would still be in orbit, uh, March 4th, the federal government runs out of money, and the politicians don't approve a continuing resolution. What happens then? Good question.
2: Um, I would guess that an emergency – once again, an emergency – um bill would be put forward to keep the government running and again you're 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 stuck at the current levels and again you're paying money for a program that is essentially dead and that's you know i'm i'm guessing that that would be that would be the scenario so you'd basically excuse me you'd basically be stuck doing the same thing again
0: well just for a uh, something to look forward to or to dread I'm going to give myself uh, middle of March till after Discovery's mission is, is completed. But I'm going to have Mark's uh, radical budget NASA views that I'll highlight uh, at that point.
2: I can't wait to hear that.
0: Oh, you'll, to you'll have announce. to. I'm oh, I can't even,
3: wait to hear that.
0: I'm not <laughs> even going to hint.
3: Radical? That's scary.
2: Oh, man, I can't wait to hear that
0: have oh lots God. of friends <laughs>
2: I'm sure
1: well that's what emails for so I can always email you and contradict you yeah.
2: well that's where all the fun is I'll probably have more next week so I'm probably going to just go ahead and spend this week kind of sort of digging in on it and uh, um, I'll probably have more comments to say um, about it next week but yeah uh, um, again, I think we're looking at a flat budget, and I think we're, we're there are some members in the House that are saying, and eh, we can take another three hundred million dollars out of this bad boy," and we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, because there, the, the good news is that there are a lot of folks on the Hill that are pro NASA these days and uh, understand that we've got to live within our means and all that stuff, but. Um, uh, I don't think they want to see NASA any further dinged than it already is.
1: All right, so more to come next week. So stay tuned. With that, I think we can end this episode right here. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you for joining us, Gene McCulka.
2: Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there.
1: Thank you, Sawyer. It's been a fun night. No problem. Thank you as well, Mark Ratterman.
0: You're quite welcome. It's always a pleasure.
1: And thank you as well, Gina Hurley.
3: Oh, happy Valentine's Day.
1: Thank Thank you. Will any of you be my Valentine?
3: Absolutely. I would be honored.
1: Thank you, Gina. With that, we hope that... We can be your Valentine, meaning we'll, we'll see you again soon. But otherwise, have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be, where you are. And I have no idea what I just said. <laughs>